With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation, get ready. The Hawks are playing this weekend. And I've got a special guest today. I'm Joe Hugan, and today we have Steve Dace to talk about, well, all the happenings uh, kind of in the Big Ten, but what we kind of can expect uh, from the Iowa-Purdue matchup this weekend. So without further ado, how's it going, Steve? Joe, it seems weird to be talking about an opening week. I'm driving home from work right now. It is like freezing drizzle. I'm blaring the heat in my car. We had a half a foot of snow yesterday. I mean, we should be, like, talking about, like, bowl assignments and stuff. And this is, like, week one. But nothing about 2020 is is normal. So we take it in stride and just be thankful we get to talk about Big Ten football at all. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, what, we had a derecho. We've had a snow squall. uh, But football's here. It's here. And uh, I think everybody's ready for that. I certainly am. I know you are. I know you're a big Michigan fan. So uh, definitely getting excited for that. But uh, with with everything uh, going on in the Big Ten right now, finally coming to a fruition for everybody playing. Hopefully, uh, from what I've seen, every team is scheduled to still be on uh, on schedule to play. So uh, really looking forward to that. Um, I know that Brom for uh, Coach Brom for Purdue uh, has in fact uh, tested positive for COVID. So he is definitely not going to be. Uh, well, at least on the field, he might be in attendance somewhere. I don't know how they're arranging that, but uh, it sounds like his brother, uh, from what I've heard, is is taking over the uh, the helm. Right. Yeah. Yep. He's going to be the uh, he's going to be the coach. He's the co OC, and you know this is a this is a fascinating game. The two programs are just structured so differently. Their approaches to how to win games. You know, you don't get any more old school than Kirk Ferentz. Um, you know, Jeff Brom could very well be the most um, enlightened, creative play, call, uh, play caller in our league. And I, I really think that this game on Saturday between Purdue and Iowa is being won or lost right now, meaning that the timing of, okay, so, you know, we, we thought about this all summer long. We had a, a report come out in August to put to slam the door on this but let me wait until late october game the first game week before i file some kind of class at or threaten a class action racial discrimination lawsuit against the team almost like it's specifically timed to distract the team and ruin the season and so you have an iowa football program trying to insulate itself from that distraction and then you have purdue that's got to figure how to go without one of its best assets and that's you know the uh the the dr frankenstein play calling mind of jeff brom and and i have no way of knowing which of the two teams joe is going to do a better job of navigating that and i don't know that anybody could possibly know until we see them play on saturday so 
I think this game's being won or lost right now. Which team is doing a better job of handling this distraction and getting itself prepared for Saturday? And I think the final score is going to be determined a lot by that. No, you're absolutely right. It, it does seem very interesting that it happened to come on the heels of this week's you know start. And really, I mean, I don't know. The, the only thing that I can see is that it was meant to make an impact, which it did. And it's obviously going to be a distraction. How well they are insulated is definitely going to to probably tell on Saturday. Um, you know, with with the trade off though of uh, you know, Brom just got their their star uh, receiver back. Um, forgive me his name. Uh, Rondale Moore. Yeah, Rondale Moore. Thank you. Uh, they got him back, but without the play calling, uh, you know, in certain situations. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a presence there. I, I don't know if he's going to be piped in and in the ear of his brother, but. Um, you know, certainly it, it, it's a huge impact, but thinking that they're just going to be bringing a lot of this baggage, the Hawkeyes, that is, bringing a lot of baggage from Iowa City over to Purdue, kind of put a damper on our opening up party. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right, though. It's, it's really going to be a testament to these players deciding, you know, how they're going to handle it and handle their business. They, they've got a lot of senior leadership on that, uh, that team. Um, hopefully they can stay focused and get the job done on the field and hopefully for the coaches. I mean, obviously it's got to take a toll on the coaches as well. You know, Kirk, it's got to be on his mind. He's going to be ready, but you know, it was pointed at him. So. Yeah, this would be, if you, you know, when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, I said that this, this, this should be the kind of season that is set up perfectly for a program like Iowa given the deeply embedded culture and identity it has with so much in flux, but given what's happened with the most hot of hot button issues percolating and, and really creating an epicenter in Iowa city for most of this year, I have, I couldn't quantify what impact that would have on that culture. Because if you look on the other side with Purdue, so it's, it's not just that Jeff Brom is gone. Because he's the head coach and the OC. I mean, he is. this is his offense. He is a brilliant play caller. And even if his brother's really good at this, you just it's not the same ability to process, adjust. There's clearly a loss there. And don't forget they got rid of their defensive coordinator as well. They got rid of Nick Holt last season because their defense was a sieve. So you've got a new defense with no preseason, no offseason, no spring. Now you've got the offensive coordinator, the brilliant mind of Jeff Rahm, not there on the sidelines. This should set up absolutely perfectly for Iowa to just kind of, you know, uh, play a, a the Python strategy, try to slowly strangle Purdue at the line of scrimmage with its superior um, land mass. Um, and, and ultimately, you give up probably a play or two to Rondale Moore, David Bell, because those guys are just that good. But Iowa wins the game probably something like 31-21, 28-21, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's kind but of what, what we, I was thinking, yep. We don't, but we don't know now because we don't know, you know, and I know you asked me about it before the podcast. I'm like, I don't think it's a big, a big issue. I don't think it's a big issue except now that we talk about this. I, I recall that Kirk said this summer he wanted the team to be of one mind whether they were going to – kneel or stand for the anthem 
And now you're telling me that the announcement is that they're going to let everybody make up their own mind. Well, that tells you then that they couldn't get everybody to make up their minds. Yeah, and, and, and that should that should be okay in America. It should be okay for everybody to have their own opinion and set things aside and still find a lot of, you know, common goals and, and things we share. And, uh, you know, but we're really struggling as a people to do that right now. And I don't know when, when 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds are having a hard time doing that within their families. I don't know why we assume it's totally easy for a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds to do it when they've, you know, probably not been around a lot of people that disagree to them in the past as much as they are now. So I think, I think this is, this is a, a game. This is a Freud game. I mean, I, this is a game that's played in the collective psyche of both of these teams. And it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out on Saturday. Well, that, that's interesting. I, I was just thinking as you, as you were talking about that, it's, it's almost to a benefit that we don't have fans in the stands right now. I mean, I wish we, we did. But this kind of controversy, I mean, I already know. I can already see it. I can already hear it. When this game starts, they're going to reopen the wound, and they're going to be talking about this issue and about the lawsuit that just came. And that's going to be a focus. And that's what we were kind of trying to avoid and get away from. And a lot was done in efforts to rectify the perceived problems that were within the program. And I, I thought a lot of, right. of good things were, were done to alleviate those issues, to get to this point to where we could start fresh and maybe have a distraction free or at least a limited distraction from this, but it, it doesn't look like that's going away. Um, whether this $20 million suit goes anywhere or not, I, I don't know, but it's there. The fact that it's there and it came out right now, that's what people are going to be talking about. And that's unfortunate because it's not fair to former players and current players or coaches, and, and certainly there's a lot of different feelings and emotions about that, but it, it really kind of squanders the goal of this year in in the players that are that are going to be competing so that's kind of my feeling yeah, it's, it. it's, it's, it's really unfair to the current players and the guys who filed this lawsuit I, I don't i don't know why you couldn't have filed it in january again taking you know not getting into their claims and taking into the benefit of the doubt i don't know why it couldn't be filed in january february march filing it now Either is an ex- either is um, a cosmic lack of self awareness, and trust me, we see that a lot in today's America, or or it is specifically time to hurt the team, and I don't want to believe it's the latter. So if it's the former, you guys didn't play football, you don't know when the season is. You know, you've had these grievances for 20 years. You couldn't have yep. waited until the season ended to give the guys on this year's team a, a shot to, to give – they've got enough distractions already. Is campus open? Is it not? Did I test positive? Did I not? Is anybody at home sick or are they not? You've got There's an election going on, and we are living in a battleground state. So both campaigns are here all the time drumming up the divisiveness. You don't think these young men have got enough issues, enough distractions already trying to focus on the season, and now you, former player, come and decide to take a crap on their season like this? I just think it's a douche move, bro. A douche move. No, and, yeah. and, and, and I, think, I think this Iowa team, I, I think that this is going to be a momentum team because of what's gone on this offseason. I like Iowa's personnel. In my latest unit ratings right now, I have them in Wisconsin pretty much dead even. I've got Wisconsin up by only one point 
I like Iowa's personnel a lot, but I also think given where this team is at culturally this year, I think the whole swing game for the season is this first week. If they go out there and win this game, then I think I could, I, I think you can, you know, Hey, let's rally to the cause. We're all in this together. Um, and then I think it's a galvanizing moment. I, if they I, go out there and they lose, if they lose this game, then I think a lot of those distractions we were just addressing, it's going to be even harder to keep them at bay. So I think I think this is I think this is the swing game for Iowa season right here, week one. I think you're absolutely right. It is going to be a swing game. Um, you know, we're akin to saying that the next game is the most important game. This is that to that nth degree. With all the distractions and you know the 2020 season being as it is, there's just so many unknowns, and we don't know how this team is going to respond. We have no frame of reference. If they come out, though, and they're able to win in a convincing way, and I think it has to be convincing, but if they win in a convincing way, that would go a long ways to alleviating a lot of the anxieties that I know we have as fans, but they have as players and coaches, too. Now, on the other side of that, if they come out flat and they lay an egg, that could have the exact opposite effect and and tank a season. I don't think that's going to happen, but it certainly has the potential to happen, and I I don't want to see that. I mean, if ever there was a year in this distraction year to not have social media, I wish it was this year. I don't want to take that away from them. I don't want to take their voice away, but really to protect them from other people and and having to hear all that garbage. It's unfortunate that they're going to have to go forward with that. Especially in a year where we were expecting to compete with Minnesota and Wisconsin for that Big Ten West championship to hopefully turn a corner against, you know, you said that Iowa was like a mirror image of uh, Wisconsin. Hopefully to turn that corner against Wisconsin. Now they're the last game of the year uh, playing on a Friday this year, but they're that traditional last game that we had uh, against Wisconsin back in place. That kind of feels right. With that being said, you know, they're the team that I have wanted to beat for a long time. They're the team that we had to beat to get to a Big Ten championship. This year, at the beginning of the year, I was pumped. I was all about being able to get that done. And, you know, they are so much like Iowa, but I think that we have the, the personnel in place to make a run at that. Hopefully that's still the case. Well, you haven't been beating Wisconsin as it is. Well, so that, yeah. to me, to me, to me, to me, you got to get there. And I, I think you're asking a lot to tell a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old guys uh, who fought to have the right to, to speak their minds on Twitter. And now that they have it, don't use it and just focus on playing football. That's just, that's not how, that's not how human nature works. That's why I think success early success for this Iowa football team this year is critical early success. You know, it's the old JFK line um, victory as a thousand fathers and defeat as an orphan. Uh, if early success will help people. They're not going to, they're not going to just turn off the social media, but it will put it in its proper place early failure. And I think too many outlets for a lot of people to have their own agendas 
And so I, I really think this is a very critical game for Iowa's entire season in week one on Saturday. How much control do you – I mean, I've been wondering this myself, but how much control do you think that uh, uh, Kirk has on a lot of these, these factors right now? I mean, it's got to be – I can't imagine being in his position right now. He's gotten a, a lot of controversy, obviously, but being able to keep the focus and get these guys prepared – I mean, he's, he's been a coach for 20, what was his 22nd season this year. He's, he knows the game. He knows how to get these guys prepared. But he's never had to deal with these kind of distractions, these kind of Yeah, he's, done, he's been able to do it one way his entire life. Yeah. And now he's being asked to do it a totally different way. And what, he, what has been successful for him, that's very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. I, Iowa's, what is Iowa's scheme? Well, you know, we can talk about that, you know, the 4-3 defense and the Raider package, and we can talk about, you know, uh, outside zone left and outside zone right with a waggle play action. That's not Iowa's scheme. Iowa's scheme is the culture. The next man up, accountability. Um, that's uh, bullies of the Big Ten. The discipline that when, goes when, Yeah, when, when people have talked about Iowa football in the Ferentz era, it's not been schematic. Like, like when you talk about Purdue football under Jeff Brom, what do you talk about? His offensive ingenuity. That's what you talk about. With Iowa football, the, the scheme is the culture. And it, in, in many respects, what Ferentz is being asked to do now is, is like Jeff Brom being asked to, to win with an option, triple option instead of his air raid. Hey, you're the same, same genius. Just go out there, though, and run a triple option offense. Hey, Kurt, you had this culture, and it worked. Now go out there and have the players empowered. The inmates run the asylum. You defer to them. Are you guys okay with this? Are you guys all right with this? Do you guys feel good? Are you affirmed? There's, I'm not saying that's bad. There are programs that do things that way, and it works for them. That's just not the way it's worked at Iowa. But now, Kirk, you go out there in what may be your last season or one of your last seasons, and you, you go from um, a congenial disciplinarian. You're like Dr. Spock now. You're like you're, you're a life coach now. You do it this way now. I don't know. Maybe he's great at it. I don't know how anybody could know the answer to that, though. I'm not sure Kirk Ferentz knows the answer to that. No, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting as the season does go on. I mean, his success will kind of alleviate something, you know, some of these things, because with success always alleviates some of the, the angst and the, uh, the controversies, uh, for good or bad, but success breeds a little bit of relief for everything um hoping he he's able to get right off the bat and hoping the, the kids can stay focused um but with all the distractions of this year for everything not just iowa's distraction um just in the way that the uh, the games are going to be played and you know all the testing maybe it's enough of a distraction for the entire league that you know maybe maybe it'll be a wash i don't i don't know um going That's in there a good point too yeah, I mean, there's, there's just going to be a lot of uh, factors that are going to be uncontrollable. It, it's going to be an interesting season just to watch play out. Um, obviously, the, the other leagues have already started, but uh, we're going to be in the mix. I, I think after this first week, are they going to introduce um, uh, the Big Ten into the top 25? I think that's They're right. They're in now. Okay, yeah, they did come out with that. Okay, yeah. Because I think, what, yeah. Ohio, Ohio State's at number two? No, they're like number four five or six i think okay okay they probably should be number two but and they probably will be here soon but yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's a, the, a lot of the unknowns, but I mean, a, a lot of success can can alleviate that. Go into Purdue, do your business, get out of there. Um, can kind of address some of these things, but as long as they're they're able to uh, keep their uh, their noses clean and you know in the dirt, I, I I think they'll be fine. But I don't I don't even know what a prediction would be like. I have kind of wobbled back and forth with everything going on, anyways. But then with this too. You know, it's it wasn't a positive beat. I want to I want to stay positive. I want to be you know motivated to really consume as much uh, Iowa football and, and football in the Big Ten. But really, it kind of hit hit this week that uh, that was a, a bit of a downer. So yeah, I, w- I would not. There's two games I would not play objectively in our league this week. This is one of them. Michigan Minnesota is the other one. Although I might just bet Minnesota that way. If Michigan wins, I feel great, and if they lose, I still won money. I like that. Gives me a win no matter what the outcome is. But those two games have Iowa Purdue and Michigan Minnesota. Each of those games have so many variables. And you, you, you and I are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. There's no way I'd be predicting that. And frankly, with daily testing, I wouldn't. I would not be betting or predicting I, Big Ten football games early anyway. I mean, I, I would be waiting until Friday or Saturday. How, how do you know? You know, they're doing game day testing. Yeah. And and I don't know if you do a game day test at 7 a.m. on an antigen test and it's positive, can you get and you got a kick at 11? Can you get the PCR test done and read and confirmed? And if it's a false positive, can you get all that done to be ready like at say 10 a.m. for an 11 a.m. kick central? I I don't know. So I mean I I would be I would the games that have a lot of variables I would be waiting and waiting and waiting on information. And I think there's two games this week that have more variables than any other. And, it, and one of them is the game we've been talking about for the last few minutes. Yep. Um, just speaking of the testing, it was kind of interesting that the the Big Ten is by far the most strict and, um, I guess, uh, analyzed uh, league out there. The Big 12, uh, well, not the Big 12, but the, uh, the Pac-12, what they just came out with uh, kind of uh, the SEC standard, what they're doing for their testing. We were talking about that the other night. Yeah, it's fascinating. The Pac-12 usually follows the Big Ten's league, but lead, but they have come out with their COVID protocols, and they're not going to do the, hey, if you have you know five players test positive, you're shut down for a week. They're doing what the SEC and the other conferences are doing, which is you have to be able to field a 53-man roster. You have to have at least seven, uh, I think it is seven offensive and defensive linemen, and or seven offensive linemen, I think it is, and five defensive linemen. And as long as you can meet those minimum roster requirements, then you can play and will be asked to play on Saturday. So I thought it was fascinating that the Pac-12 didn't follow Big Ten's lead. And now the Big Ten is out there on a limb by itself. And if I'm a team like an Ohio State man and I lose two or three games this fall because some teams had COVID issues and I don't get to play them, and instead of 9-0 and or 8-1, and I'm five and zero, or six and one, and these other teams and these other leagues that are buying for playoff spots played nine, ten games, and I'm I'm behind the eight ball from a resume standpoint, or I've got you know Justin Fields test positive on Saturday morning, and then I don't find out until Sunday that it was a negative <laughs> that we lost the game, or he tests positive but then he's out for it is it's confirmed and then he's out for three weeks. And it's the final three games of the – you see where I'm going with this? If I'm Ohio State, a team like that, and I'm watching that we're the only league putting our programs to this standard, I'm pretty upset 
probably. Oh, absolutely. So, something to think about. Well, and I think there's so much emphasis from the, you know, not just the commissioner, but the the presidents and chancellors to put such tight restrictions on, on the Big Ten. Almost, almost, I don't, I don't know. It almost feels like they were setting them up for a potential failure. Um, but I don't really see that they're going to budge on that. I, I, I don't see them changing their mind. Maybe it would be nice because they're the only league with such tight restrictions. But um, that certainly could ruin a season for anybody. You can't miss a week in this league now. We, we started too late. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I'm still pretty confident we're going to see fans in the stands before the Michigan-Ohio State game, for example. We'll have an election, and, and we'll still have most of our season to go after the election is over. People may decide to, when the election is over to do things they didn't want to do before the election. I think, I, you know, I, I, we've already seen this league change its mind three times. I wouldn't say that they're pretty set in their ways on anything. That'd be nice. Get a little push. At least get the, the fans back in the stands. I, I certainly would love to see the, uh, the Iowa-Nebraska game and then also the uh, Iowa-Wisconsin game, the traditionally last game for Iowa um, being put back in place. That'd be nice. And that could be potentially a, a Big Ten uh, – uh, square off for the West, so that'd be nice to to see that set up if it comes down to that. Which, by all accounts, I mean the th- the three best teams in the uh, in the West right now are Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. So hopefully we can see that towards the end of the year. Any other thoughts on on the Big Ten in general? Fascinating week of games. I mentioned I think Purdue, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota. Right now, I might have a different opinion in seventy two hours. Right now, those are stay-away games for me. The game I've really got – I mean, I think the whole slate is fascinating to some degree. I mean, even in northwestern Maryland, you want to see Peyton Ramsey. Can he be the, that steadying force that, uh, at, at quarterback? That, you know, Northwestern's got a lot to like around, about their roster, except for that quarterback position. It killed their, uh, their season last year. Hunter Johnson, the Clemson transfer, could never step into Clayton Thorson's shoes. And they went from first to worst. Yep. So even a game like that has an angle, but the game I'm the most fascinated by is in Bloomington, Indiana. Penn State at Indiana. Just announced yesterday, Journey Brown, best player on Penn State's offense. Probably not going to play this season now. So now you took away their, their best player on defense. You took away their best player in Micah Parsons, their most explosive player on offense in Journey Brown. Go look at Sean Clifford's passing stats last year against good teams. He was barely over 50% completions in those games. Uh, Michael Penix back in Indiana. I think Indiana's got the best quarterback in that game. I think they've got Watt Fillier, the best playmaker in that game. And look at the line. Penn State in the top 10 in the AP poll. Indiana only got four votes, and yet they're barely a touchdown underdog. Keep an eye on that game. I, I think there could be a week one ambush there. That's, that's one game I've definitely got my eye on. I think the DVRs are going to be filled this week, Steve. Uh, going to be a lot of football to watch. I can't wait for all the Big Ten games. Going to try to watch them all and enjoy them, as I'm sure many of the Big Ten fans are starved for that. Really uh, waiting to see how this Big Ten uh, season opener kicks off. Hopefully it's unscathed. Hopefully we don't have any COVID issues or any off-field issues or anything like that. and We can just enjoy some, some Big Ten football, some Iowa football, Hopefully we can pull off a victory and, and start the season off right. Uh, really enjoy doing these with you, man. Uh, just just a, a plethora of knowledge, and uh, just hope we can continue to do this from, from now on. I, I really do. So I, I thank you. You got it, brother. Good to talk to you as always. Good to talk to you, Steve.
Definitely is a celebration going on. Cannot wait for Hawkeye football this Saturday. Uh, always enjoy talking with Steve, picking his brain, getting his uh, thoughts on Big Ten football and Iowa Hawkeye football, most importantly. Can't wait for this Saturday. 2.30 kickoff against Purdue. Going to be fun. Set your DVRs for all the other games. You won't want to miss any of the Big Ten play. Going to be a lot to talk about. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Let me know if you have any questions or any comments on the show or whatever. Go ahead and go out to Twitter. I'm out there. It's Joe Hugan. If you're more of a Facebook person, I'm there too. So hit me up. Definitely don't forget to check out Hawkeye Nation. uh, Up to date with all the good Iowa content you could ever want. So look forward to hearing from you guys on Monday. And go Hawks.